Welcome to the SheEO Podcast with your host, Ellie Welcome. This podcast tells the tales of women in the finance industry and the setbacks they've had to overcome in their careers. Women make up less than one-third of executive, VP, and C-suite members in the finance industry. I hope this podcast can shed light on all of the factors that women have to go through while working in the financial services industry. Today's guest is Kara O'Halloran. Kara is currently the Director of Investment Research at FS Investments, which is an alternative asset manager in the Navy Yard in Philadelphia. Kara also co-chairs the FS Women's Network, an employee resource group focused on women equality in the workplace. Let's welcome Kara onto the podcast. So I'm going to welcome Kara onto the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Ellie. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I actually host a podcast for my job, so it's so fun to be on the other side of this. Well, this is so great to have you on. So I've already given our listeners a bit of a brief introduction on you and your role, but I wanted to learn a little bit more about what interested you in finance and why you decided to choose this career path. Yeah, 100%. Um, I so I've always been a numbers person. I I love numbers. I literally did. This is so so embarrassing. I used to do math workbooks for fun when I was little. I would literally be like sitting on the beach doing a math workbook. Um, so always loved numbers. Um, I thought I wanted to be a math teacher. Actually, I think you know growing up, it's really easy to. I just saw a bunch of teachers, right? I knew what yep. that job was, so I was like, oh, that that looks great. I know how to do that. I know what that looks like. So yeah, so I uh, I thought I wanted to be a math teacher, and then I got a job in high school at a retail store. My friend's mom owned the store, and she kind of exposed me to the business aspect of things, I, like running some of the numbers and stuff. And I realized that I wanted to pursue a career in business, so I applied. This was all happening mid college application, so ended up applying to business school, you know, undergraduate business school, and majored in finance and accounting. Accounting was kind of like a puzzle to me. And I also like puzzles, puzzles and math. Those are my things. So I started in accounting and wanted to eventually switch into finance. I was auditing funds actually. So mutual funds, hedge funds, private equity funds. So I was looking at all their financial statements and the, my job in accounting was very backward looking. It was, okay, what did, you know, what did they do? I found myself sitting there and always being like, okay, that's great, but I want to know what happens next. You know, what are they going to invest in next and why are they going to do it? So I slowly transitioned into finance. It was a little bit more of a a tough jump to go directly from accounting to finance. They're pretty different. I kind of transitioned along the way. I had a couple of jobs that were almost like a hybrid and now here I am. So it was a bit of a journey, but the long story short is I like numbers. (laughs) And I know I totally relate on the fact of, you know, you see people in your life, like teachers, I wanted to be a teacher for the longest time. And then you just, you kind of like progress in your career and realize like what you like. And that's great to hear, you know, sort of how you jumped around a little bit. Cause I think that's so common, especially in undergrad. (laughs) A hundred percent. And I always, I always tell people it's so important, you know, it's important to know what you want to do, but it's also important to know what you don't want to do. So doing like internships and co-ops, Axel's co-op program is fantastic. You know, it's it's just as important to try something out and say, okay, you know what, that wasn't for me. You know, finance is still one of the few remaining male dominated industries, as I'm sure you know. (laughs) So in your experience thus far in your career, have you experienced any forms of gender discrimination? Really wish that my answer to this was different, but yes, it's something that happens very regularly. And 
I'll tell a quick story about a, a previous role. So not at, not at my current role. And it's just one that really has stuck with me for many years. So I, my, my old job was to invest in private equity and private credit funds. We were making substantial investments. It was a fund of funds. So we were making five to $10 million commitments. Um, it's a good chunk of change. <laughs> so I specifically remember I was at a conference one year and I was going down to, we had these almost like speed dating meetings where the funds would pitch the investors and we would decide if we want to continue on the process. So I was staying at the hotel that the conference was at. So I went down in the morning to go to my first meeting where I was you know, going to be pitched. And the conference staff looked at me and directed me to the spouse and guest breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, oh, you know, I actually know I'm here for meetings, but you know, it was a very, I was one of the only females at the conference in general. I was certainly one of the younger people there, definitely a, a challenge, but you know, I think it's, it's something I have experienced. Unfortunately, I'm sure most women have, you know, I think it's getting hopefully a little bit better, but you know, I hope, I hope it's something that in, in many years from now, that people who are listening to this podcast who are just starting the industry won't experience it as much as, you know, I, I did and the people who came before me. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate that people just, they just assume they yeah. think one yeah. thing and they roll with it, even though it's, they don't know like what your role is in being at the conference. Right. Assume because you are a woman that you are there as a spouse. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also unfortunate that it's not even just in finance. It's you're across the board. Oh, a hundred percent. Unfortunately, sometimes I'll be in meetings and I'm the only female and I'm asked to get, you know, take notes or yep. we'll get I the stuff from the printer or, you know, bring in the waters or stuff, yeah. stuff like that. So that's almost like the little not as overt, but yeah. definitely a gender a gender bias there. And a recent study, according to NBC, said that only 17% of senior positions in investment banks are held by women. And in your time from starting your first position after undergrad till now, have you faced any challenges in climbing the corporate ladder? So this is one where I actually am really happy about my answer because I think as of now it's no. I I can't think of a time I've been working like nine years. I've been not in college for like nine years. So figure out my age based on that. But, um, you know, I, I, I can't remember a time that I didn't get a job or didn't get a promotion that I was, that I felt it was because I was a woman. I did have a boss in a previous role who kind of kept promising me a promotion and it just never happened. He kind of said like, oh, you know, when X, Y, and Z happen and just kind of kept like dangling that carrot and dragging it out. And eventually I just left the company and actually joined FS, but I didn't feel like that was, oh, she's a woman. I'm not going to promote her. It was just kind yeah. of a, maybe it was, it was some kind of weird power trip. So I think luckily at this point, no, but I think, you know, a really important point to make is that I don't have children. So that unfortunately is the really challenging part. I, you know, I have friends who are starting to have kids and it's, it's, that's, that is when it gets challenging. Unfortunately, you have to make those decisions and you do have to take time off. And so I, I truthfully hope that, you know, we can talk again, like I said, in 10 years. And my answer is still that I have not experienced any of that, but time will tell. Yeah. And on a similar note, you know, have you ever had discussions with whether it's your female colleagues or male colleagues who are in similar roles about pay, because I think pay transparency and, you know, I think it was just the other day that it was like national pay transparency day. It was. Yeah. Uh, it was Tuesday. 
Yeah. Have you ever, you know, noticed that for very similar roles or maybe the, even the exact same role that your male counterparts are making more than you? I don't know if I've had, I'm trying to think back if I've had any of those actual conversations. Personally, I have not, but I wouldn't be surprised to know that that yeah, was yeah. the case. Admittedly, I think I actually was talking to somebody on, you know, gender pay equality day that's not what the official title is, but yeah, it was just literally two days ago, I was talking to somebody, we did a FS Women's Network event, which I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on the Women's Network in a second, but we were talking about this exact topic and it was just, you know, how do we, how do we even start to deal with it and, and whatnot? And it was just, she was like, you have to have the conversation. So admittedly, I have not yet been the best about being transparent and having those conversations. They're really hard conversations to have, but I think they're really important. I think it's tough because if you do hear, if you do hear that a colleague who's doing the exact same work as you and is the same level as you is making significantly more and they are a male, you know, I would be very upset, obviously, rightfully so. But I think, you know, so it's hard to then, how do you manage trying to negotiate with your boss or whatever while also, you know, being professional and you still have to do your job. So it's kind of like a, almost like a willful ignorance right now, but I know that that's a terrible thing. So that's something I need to work on, you know? So it, it's, we're always, we're all always working on, on stuff. Right. So I think that's something, you know, having those hard conversations is something that I want to work more on because that's really the only way that we're ever going to affect any kind of change. Exactly. I know even in my personal life, I, you know, even in just like having previous internships and now, you know, looking at full time, I try to have these conversations with my friends just to see, you know, like I want to, I want to be transparent about what I'm making or what I might be making so that, and not that they're necessarily in the same industries or roles that I would be doing, but I think it's just so important that there's not a stigma around talking about yes. your pay. Exactly. That's, you know, we actually just, the event that I was talking about that it was an event on negotiation. I have another one tonight. It's really obviously been a very hot topic, I think, especially lately. And it's all about research. You just, ha you have to do the research. If you're going in to negotiate for a raise or, or if you're negotiating for more time off, like whatever it is, more flexibility, whatever it is, you need to research. You need to know, um, you know, you need to know whatever, what your peers are making. You need to know kind of what your other options are. So I, I totally agree. Having those conversations is so important. I do think people, again, I think we're making strides in the right direction. You know, I think some, it's a little less taboo than it was still a ways to go, but yep. definitely important to have those conversations. Even my brother, like he's like, we're very different things. He's, you know, working in like public policy, but he even still shies away from telling people what he makes. And yeah. It's just so interesting how like, I, I mean, I'm his sister. I have no qualms about knowing like what he makes, but mm -hmm. he's still very, you know, he wants to keep it private and not want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a touchy subject. It's a yep. difficult subject. Touching on how you mentioned the women's network, obviously we're in a very unique situation where I know a lot about what FS does to support yes. women in the industry. But if yep. you just want to touch a little bit more on that and talk about yeah. the network. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll touch on, you know, I think FS in general, I'll get into the women's network kind of the more formal, but I think FS has, has made a really conscious, we've been really conscious about our hiring and, you know, having women in leadership roles and, and having those role models. And this, you know, obviously this extends beyond just women, but if you can't see, if you don't see anyone in the role that in your role, 
you're not going to picture yourself in it. Right. And that's, that's across the board. And so I think FS has been really conscious about that, which has been great. And, you know, I know I have female leaders at the firm that I look up to and they are role models for me and mentors. Um, but then more formally, we do have the women's network. We have a number of enterprise resource groups. So, but I, I co-chair our women's network. So that is really the formal, you know, we bring all colleagues across the firm, you know, any gender to, we bring them together for networking events, for professional development, for volunteer events. And so we're, we've been hosting, like I said, we did a negotiation workshop this week. We did a volunteer day last week. So really kind of run the gamut of sometimes we just have a happy hour. So it's really just a great way to get to know other um, people around the firm who either, you know, maybe you, you won't interact with them on a daily basis, or especially in this, you know, hybrid, virtual, whatever environment, you know, it's, it's been great. And a lot of people have been hired in the last couple of years. So it's been really great to, you know, just get to meet people that you wouldn't get to, you know, on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. And it's funny because I was actually in charge of communicating an event about the form of executive women. And obviously I won't say people's names who signed up, but I just thought it was so interesting that there were a several, several men who signed up who like are in these like high leadership roles. And it just shows that they are, you know, putting in some effort. Yeah. And they're trying, I think, to make sure they understand. I think it's important I just keep talking about this one workshop that we just did because it's, it's top of mind. And we had men come to that because I think it's really important. It was all about negotiation skills for women, but kind of just how our gender can play into the way that we negotiate. So not, you know, not necessarily just for women, but I think it's so important that men are aware of that too. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they need to, we're expected as women often to understand the other side's point of view because we're more thoughtful and competitive, you know, these are the, the stereotypes, right? These are the gender norms. And so we're often expected to understand the other side of, you know, whatever our, our discussion that we're having. I think it's equally as important for men to understand where we're coming from. Some of the, like the biases that get put on us. So, yeah, so I think it's, I think it's great. That's why we open all of our events to all colleagues across the firm. I think everyone can get something out of them. Yeah. And I mean, I know I've, from the events that I've attended, I've found them very valuable just from my own perspective. So I can only imagine, you know, someone who's in different shoes, you know, trying to learn and be supportive and understand, you know, what females in the industry, even in other industries face on a daily basis. And this is just something I actually recently had learned about in my sociology class, the nine to five workday is actually very almost discriminatory against women because women are then expected to do all of the housework after work. And I just thought that was really interesting. And I wanted to hear your perspective as someone who obviously is in a very, you know, high powered role and how you experience, you know, doing your own duties after work without obviously getting too much into your own personal (laughs) life, but you know what I mean? Totally, totally. I mean, I already said I I don't have kids, so that's a huge, it's, that's a huge thing that I don't, you know, have, I don't have the responsibility for at this point. It's so difficult. I look at the people who like, I have a hard time. I'm like, I'm me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I have no children to to take care of. And it's still like, I have to come home and I have to cook and I have to do the laundry. I have to clean my house. And, and it's exhausting. You know, sometimes my house is just a disaster. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to show you that side of the zoom room. I will say, I think that the 
pandemic flexibility that we've gotten is going to be very helpful for women going forward. And I hope that it's something that just as an industry, as a culture, we can continue with because, you know, I have days like this week, I was traveling all last week and I came home and I was like, I just feel out of sorts, right? Like I just, you know, I, I, that I was at work late Monday, Tuesday, and I just needed some time. I was like, I need to do my laundry. I need to go to the grocery store and, you know, I need to get these, these things done. And I can do, I can put a load of laundry in while I'm working, right. I can run to the grocery stores across the street and grab whatever I need. So I think having the flex, that flexibility has actually helped with, with women being able to, I mean, you're never going to do it all right. It's yeah. a myth, but it's, it's definitely helped kind of uh, allow us to you know do as much as we can, I guess I'll say that. Yeah. I know my mom, she often, you know, she works, I think like from like 7.30 in the morning till probably like 7.30 at night. Yeah. And then if I'm ever home, you know, she is expecting to cook me dinner and all of these right. things. And I think it's crazy just how you can be so important, you know, in your role, in your industry, whatever, and have all this work. And then you're just, especially if you have like a spouse, you're just almost expected to right. do everything else after the fact. In my personal experience, I think a lot of that is also changing. And I'll conclude with my last question, which is what advice would you give to young women breaking into the industry? Okay. I would say, first of all, you know, don't be afraid to come into the industry, even though it is still somewhat male dominated. It can be such a rewarding career. I love what I do. It's fast paced. It's challenging. It's interesting. No two days are the same. It, I've, I have found it very rewarding and I feel like I can kind of also blaze my own trail and, and kind of make my job what I want it to be. So don't be afraid is the first thing, you know, just jump in, you know, come join us. <laughs> but other than that, um, I think remembering that you bring a really unique perspective if you are different, right? You know, I'm often the only, I've been in many meetings where I'm the only woman in the room and I almost try to use it to my advantage. Like, okay, well, I, I have a unique perspective. I have a different way of looking at things and that's valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so remembering that is very, very important. Build your network, you know, whether that's a formal mentor or just somebody you look up to at work or just colleagues that you can, you know, bounce ideas off of more on a friend basis, right? That, you know, you can just talk things through with. There are tons of professional organizations. So um, you mentioned the form of executive women. I'm doing a mentorship program through them right now. And I've met so many, you know, inspiring women that I never would have met. And they're all in Philadelphia. So putting yourself out there and just kind of building that network. And these are people that I will probably stay in touch with for the rest of my career. So yeah, I'd say just building your network and having those mentors and those people, those people in your corner. So I think, I think that's where I would, where I'd leave it. Well, that's perfect. You know, we really appreciate having you on the podcast and it's so great to hear your perspective, especially since I, you know, know how FS works inside and out, but hearing from your side of things, how you feel about, you know, women in the industry. So we are so grateful to have you on and yeah, it was so fun. I'm glad. I'm so glad that you had me on. Uh, this is actually my first time being a guest of a podcast. So well, this is my first time. Oh, usually, host. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you are fantastic. You, you, you can come co-host with me anytime. Perfect. Uh, but no, I, I think what you're doing is awesome, Ellie. And you've been a huge help. I mean, we interact at work. So you yeah. can help huge help to me. So I, I really appreciate it. Best of luck with everything. I, I, I got a good feeling about this show. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the SheEO podcast. This topic is incredibly important, and we hope by sharing these stories, we can highlight how unfairly women are treated in the financial services industry. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it five stars on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you want to stick around, feel free to follow us on Instagram at the SheEO podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we can't wait to share more.